0: Hi everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town. And although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by... We sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. I needed a hit. Bad. The taste I had—it was, was too quick. It was a tease, and that was worse than none at all. It was getting bad. I needed money. That would satisfy my well, addiction. I searched old pants pockets, sofa cushions. I had no choice. I had to beg, degrade myself for the call of that sparkling drug. Finally, my mother gave in. She swore it was the last time she would indulge this siren call. She handed me money and like, well, yeah, like a junkie, I raced to the corner of 118th and Pleasant. Jimmy's Grocery had become a candy store. Inside stood a trio of arcade games. Pac-Man, Defender, and my crutch. Asteroids. Like three ladies of the evening in Old Times Square, they stood flashing their assets. I slipped a coin in the slot and got ready to smash more space rocks. I had become addicted to a video game. Something happened around 1980. Pac-Man and Asteroids had been out a year or so, amongst other games, but it took a bit of time for them to sneak in, linger around, and whisper temptations to us all, tempt us away from the stoops of Atlantis. Suddenly, it was less important to come up with original games and ways to pass the time. The solution cost a quarter of a buck. I was part of a transition generation, the kids who would go from street players to video game players. We knew life in both worlds, and it was not just a transition in how we played, it would affect everything. We were to see the world change its ketchup philosophy. Yep, ketchup is the perfect symbol of how life changed from the pre-digital days to the digital ones. Their ketchup's coming a lot slower than ours does. Shh. That's not good manners. Oh, you notice our Heinz. Here, taste it. That 70s commercial showed us how the anticipation of the slow, viscous drip of ketchup from a glass bottle to your burger was what made it special. It was worth the wait. Allow the moment to happen at its own pace. Happiness is the road, not the destination. Waiting was a virtue. Then came the squeeze bottle. Digital ketchup. Now everything had to provide instant gratification. There was no road. You were beamed instantly to your destination. Waiting was an abomination. When I was five, we lived in a cramped railroad apartment down the street, and my dad showed me how to plant flowers in a window box. It was always portulacas, those Crayola blooms that pop like nature's fireworks on the ends of succulent stems. They're still my favorites. How long would they take to grow? I asked him that first time. A week or so, then you'll see them pop up. Then a few more weeks and the flowers will start to grow, he explained. Wow, why do they take so long? They take just as long as God decided. You can't rush nature. A few years later, when my parents bought the brownstone down the street and we had a backyard, we would plant vegetables and flowers. I learned the cycles from that giant crabapple tree that was the center stage of our yard. From buds to the mind-blowing huge display of blushing blossoms. Then came the pink snowfall of petals that would decorate the yard. Then, slowly, the little green buds of fruit would inflate under the summer sun until the sour mini-apples were ready to eat and curl your lips around your tongue with this intense flavor. Next, the leaves turned yellow and brown, and the fall would occur, covering the yard in piles of crunchy fun. And on, and on. We planted cucumbers one spring, and I watched as the vines crawled like snakes across the soil, Past the peppers and tomatoes. They took their sweet time. Time. Time passed in lazy days by friends, holidays, barbecues, and hobbies. Hobbies. My dad and George Lucas made me fall in love with filmmaking. That old regular 8 movie camera was a lesson in time. You had three minutes to shoot. Lighting and exposure had to be right. No wasted frames. certain amount of educated guesswork... Oh, and by the way, on the halfway through the roll, you had to open the camera and flip the film reel without exposing it all to sunlight, to care and caution. Then it was off for processing. There are few things more exciting and scary than snaking that reel of film through the projector's gears to see what, if anything, came out. You ended up happy or disappointed? And if so, you'll learn what not to do next time. Scott and me tried creating a stop-motion version of Star Wars with plastic figures, We talked and talked about recreating the entire movie as this amazing stop-motion masterpiece. Now we never shot more than one roll, but the three minutes we did shoot was fun. Well, then came video cameras, endless takes, no film development time, little in the way of technical know-how. A chip did the lighting and the exposure and controlled the aesthetics. There's none of that nervous excitement as when you spooled up that reel of film and prayed all was exposed properly. It was more instant gratification. More spurts of digital ketchup. Digital ketchup changed everything. I remember writing, handwriting, a letter to the president as a kid. My sloppy penmanship had to be neatened. No rushing, my words thought out before I started, no backspace, no cut and paste, no spell check. My brain was the CPU, my hand and pen the keyboard, the paper the screen. Now, do I appreciate the word processor now? Yeah, no doubt. It has made writing much more pleasurable. But there are times when I do take pen to paper, there's, there's just something about being just a layer of skin from your work. It's like holding a book in your hands rather than reading on a phone or a computer screen or a Kindle. That ability to flip pages, feel the breeze and smell the paper connects us to a more solid reality. We are no longer a disposable society. That actually ended with digital ketchup. Now it's all ethereal. It's all ultimately data. Watch a modern baseball game and see how many references there are to exit velocity and other dull metrics, as opposed to talking about the human instincts that always made baseball with its freedom from time, the most mystical of sports. They're turning it into an accountant spreadsheet, like a living video game, in code. And back then, well, I did appreciate the new video games. Of course I did. I still do. And I'm a huge fan of virtual reality. Perhaps I see it as a transition to a new version of reality. Admittedly, back in the day, there was something very satisfying about watching a screen of asteroids break into smaller and smaller bits, until screen after screen flashed you closer and closer to that cool achievement of turning over the game, which meant you crossed a hundred thousand point mark. Then, when done, you would type your three-letter tag, and it would post proudly in the top score list. My tag was MCD. Hers was FAZ. And she always had me beat. I think she was what really hooked me on video games. Whenever I entered the store to play, I hoped she would be there. Faz, I would stand by the machine as she played, the essence of her shampoo driving me crazy, as I tried to get the nerve up to say something, anything. And when I did, I often got that evil eye, and her, stop trying to make me mess up. Game over. There was another huge distraction during that same period. The home computer. I got my Commodore VIC-20 and my life changed. I was becoming hooked and pretty good at programming. But that sort of work kept you inside. For the first time, I was choosing not to go outside. This was all very unsociable. Unless Faz and her friends rang my bell to hang out. Then it was like the Cars song, I don't mind you coming here and wasting all my time. Which it ended up being. I mean, let's face it, we all have one great unrequited love in our life. But that, well, yeah, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) Social media would not exist for another decade, but the seeds were planted and soon the changes would poke up from the surface and one day bloom and distract us all from so much that goes on around us. Like the flowers we pass on the street as we gaze at our phones, the stars in the sky, the people that stroll past, day two gazing at glass screens with tiny billboards, scrolling by so fast as to have little meaning. If I had to pick the perfect opposite of social media, it would be gardening. Social media has come to mean demanding instant gratification for sound bites and shallow memes that require no more than a passing scroll to ingest. It's really no different than looking out a window of a car and reading passing billboards and shouting out one or two word critiques of a new McDonald's item or whether it tastes better than the new motor oil on the following sign. We've become utterly obsessed with proving our minutia is better than their minutia. We spent hours arguing, sharing, reposting, retweeting, liking, loving, and watching splashes of digital ketchup stains. It has become very difficult to get people back to the wonderful anticipation of the slower, the more complex, and the nuanced. Analog ketchup. It was late September when I was eight or so. The vegetable garden was overgrown and weeds were returning, and most of the cucumbers, peppers, radishes, and tomatoes were picked. It would be nine months or so until the new crops were planted, But I loved wandering through overgrown plants, reaching into the soil with my hands. I would often find the treasures of lost plastic soldiers, as if they were lost in jungles, or shiny marbles poking up from dull dirt, or a cool insect, or rock. And I would sometimes crouch low, trying to project myself down into the mini-forests to make my own imaginary adventure. And that's when I spotted it, a monster, a huge submarine of a cucumber, I had been sitting there all summer, fattening up on rainwater and sunlight. The biggest one I'd ever seen. I ran excitedly to my parents who laughed with joy at the sight of it. Then it was picked and later that day sliced and enjoyed. There is no analog of that experience in the digital world. Sometimes we need to put down that bottle of digital ketchup and step out to where the real things live, breathe, laugh, and cry. Back out to the stoops of Atlantis. This has been the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.